Thank you for joining In the Vine Dating Podcast with host Melissa Chavez, where we'll be inviting different guests to answer all of your questions about Christian dating and relationships. And of course, discussing our upcoming event, the Christ and Country Dating Mixer, this November 18th. If you have not signed up yet, please visit our website at inthevinedating.com. And if you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to show your support and like, share, and subscribe. Hi, everybody. Welcome to In the Vine Dating Podcast. It is your host, Melissa Chavez. And here with me, I have... Shekinah. Yesi. Denise. And for those that are watching on YouTube, you may be asking yourself, why is Denise on the screen? Well, um, her and her family decided to move to Ohio for two months. And so we're like, dude, we still need you on the podcast. There's no way we can do this without you. And so how's it going for you over there, Denise, in Ohio? It's good. I want to just correct you. We didn't move to Ohio. <laughs> um, no, I'm just, we just temporarily had to come out here for my husband's work. Um, and obviously, we we love doing stuff as a family. And just given the length of time, you know, we decided to join him. Mm-hmm. It is our second time out here this year. And we just absolutely love it. It's amazing. It's beautiful. And we just always enjoy being out here. So, I do miss you guys. I do miss, you know, back home, but it's it's good to be out here for a bit. Yeah, we definitely love seeing the pictures of um, you guys being at the park, whatever they call that, right? Because over here we have a whole bunch of, I don't know, swings. Over there you guys have a whole bunch of trees. <laughs> yes. So that's so awesome. Yeah. Um, okay, so anybody have any interesting to share? Anything happened during the week that you want to share with our live audience? <laughs> Just kidding, not live. Um... Same. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a pretty, uh, it's actually been a pretty chill week. Yeah. And it's been nice. Cool. Yeah. What about you, Yessie? <laughs> um, it's been busy, very busy. Um, I feel like a, I can't share much right now, but when I can share, I'll share God's glory and God's goodness because yes. it's been such a testing week. Yeah. I can say that. But besides that, you guys can't see it, but I showed up in my chanclas because <laughs> I have a baby and I've been running around behind her or before I can show up today. So. That's my week. That's, That's my awesome. day. My day to day. Love it. Yeah, yeah I love. I, I can't wait for you to share that testimony. It's gonna yeah. be really, really good. Um, okay, so um, when was it? Sometime during this last week, I alluded on our Instagram that we were gonna be releasing something new, and so from now on, in the Vine Dating is gonna be doing interviews with people, and um, we're gonna be releasing those on Monday. So we're going to be releasing both the audio as in a podcast and we're going to be releasing the video on YouTube just the way that we're doing our Thursdays. But what's cool about these is that um, these interviews are going to be pretty much hot takes. Like we're going to be with people where restaurants yesterday, Shekana and I were at Panera and we were like, dude, like we totally, we totally could have done um, her interview that day. But um, yeah, just doing things like that. It's going to be so much fun. And so the first interview that we decided to do is with Apostle Rob Enos, Rob Enos, whatever you know him as. We call him A-Rob here at Greater Works Christian Church. And he happens to be Shekinah's father. My dad. Yes. <laughs> so um, A-Rob, he, we've been com- I've been coming to the church for like, what, 10 years already, I, which is crazy to me. But um, the first time, as I mentioned already, the first time that I came, he was going on like a political rant. It was just like pretty intense. Um, and I think many of us have similar stories where A-Rob like, has kind of knocked our socks off in one way or another where we're just like, what is going on with this man? <laughs> but he's awesome. Um, one thing that I love about A-Rob is his ability to be able to just say it like it is, you know? 
but what makes it easy to accept such a um, like a stern message is because one, we see the results, and secondly, we know um, the kind of like the heart the heart that we that he has, right? And that's just to see um, people do better and be better, and that comes out of a place of him not wanting others to repeat the same mistakes or things that religion did for did to him. And so to us, like, we're just so inspired by his story and just seeing how each of us has been uh, affected and impacted by his teaching, by his leadership, and all that good stuff. One thing that he does say also that I think um, is, is very comforting is how him and um, Pila and his wife, right, Shekinah's parents, how they always say that they want their ceiling to be our footsteps. Yes. I think that's amazing, and that's such a beautiful heart to hear from pastors because that means, that, um, and leaders of a church, because they actually take the time to talk to us. I think that's what impressed me, even though, again, like you mentioned, um, when you first walked in, it was like a political rant. Same here, and <laughs> I was on the opposite side at first, and when I walked in, I was like so offended, and I'm like, okay, I don't <laughs> think I'm going to stay, but I felt the love of God here, and I'm so glad I did because I... I definitely needed it. But I will say that just the, the fact that they take the time to actually um, like minister to you, talk to you, uh, take you out to go eat, like that's unheard of to be honest. And I love that about them. Yes. What do you think, Shekinah? No, I'm, I'm so excited. One, just for the interviews in general, because I know that like we're going to have so many amazing minds. And to start with my dad, I am so excited because I'm a daddy's girl. So I'm excited to brag about my dad, but um, I was just, I was excited to hear him and to, to know what he was saying. And if you guys haven't heard the interview yet, go back and listen to it after this, because that's what we're building on. Yes. And um, what I'm excited to share is the perspective of being his daughter raised in his household under that teaching. Because everything that you heard in that interview, that's my dad. That's how he's always been. That's how he's raised um, me and my three siblings. We grew up in that household. What he, what he preaches is what he acts out in his everyday life. I can say that as his daughter, you know. Um, so I'm excited to get to share with you guys um, what he shared from the child's perspective. And so I'm excited to get to share that from not just uh, his kid, but as a woman as well, to share how that's affected me. And so I'm <laughs> cool. And Denise, I know that you also have been affected by Arab's just leadership. What do you have to say? Oh, yeah, definitely. And so many different ways. Um, you know, obviously, A-Rob and Pelin, how we know them, you know, Apostle Rob and Pastor Linda, those are, you know, the abbreviations we give them. But they actually, you know, provided premarital counseling to both my husband and I before we got married. And, you know, obviously, I am mentored by Linda on a one-to-one basis. But just seeing, you know, just from the premarital counseling aspect, um, the information, the, you know, the topics that they discuss and just the godly marriage that they have, honestly, for me has impacted not just my life, but my husband's in our marriage. Right. And so um, I'm just excited, you know, as, just to go as, as we discuss, you know, what's happening as we discuss it throughout the podcast, um, the different things he discussed, you know, just how he really does live that those things like I see it firsthand, you know, and so it's cool. It's cool to see that he is a type of man that doesn't just talk the talk, but he actually walks it. Yes. And, you know, my husband has learned so much from him and um, I'm just really grateful and thankful to have people like them in our lives, to be quite honest. I couldn't agree more. We couldn't agree more. 
Um, okay, so again, as she kind of mentioned, if you haven't gone and listened to the interview, definitely that's where you want to start. Um, it was released on Monday, and today's Thursday. <laughs> um, so well, a lot of the things that we're just going to give the woman's perspective on what he talked about, which we're really excited to do that. So one of the first things that he said was about masculinity, right? And so he talked about toxic masculinity and about toxic femininity. femininity. And I thought that was like super, super important for um, for people to hear because, um, you know, men are really getting like this bad rap, right? Where um, if they act manly or if they act assertive or if they act like inside of their God-given nature, then um, all of a sudden it's toxic masculinity. But he gave a totally, totally different perspective from that where he was like, well, if a man is being abusive or if he's like, um, you know, cheating on his wife or he's abusing his wife, like that is toxic masculinity. But even in that, like it's not masculinity at all because true masculinity, what that does is protects, it takes care of, it provides. And, you know, that is such a thwarted definition of what the world is saying right now. And so what did you guys think when you heard that? I thought of the culture. Hmm. You know, it's a cultural thing, at least and in my background. I'm um, Mexican-American. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm first generation here in, in America. And a lot of my family, you know, they like to, at least not firsthand, but a lot of my family members have grown up in a domestic violence um, relationship, and they think it's normal. Yeah. And um, they, they see their parents do it. Their father, you know, did it to them. And it's not, it's not a healthy thing, you know? And the fact that they think like that's, you know, that's what being a man is. No, no, it's not. And that they, that's why they want to stay away from toxic, I mean, masculine, I can't even, yes, I can't (laughs) even pronounce it. Um, They want to stay away from it and they label it as toxic. But that, again, like you mentioned, that's not toxic masculinity at all. Um, That's being a coward. That's um, perverting the the actual masculinity, which is uh, protecting, like you guys mentioned, and A-Rob really emphasized. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, yes. and and I like, oh, I'm so sorry to cut you off, Denise. Oh, yeah, Denise has no. the same cultural background, <laughs> was, I'm sure. Yes, I was just going to say, you know, um, for me, it took a lot of rewiring of my brain of, yes. because I, I grew up, not grew up, but I was really feminist at one point, and I remember sitting down with Melissa. That was one of the first things we ever did was tackle on where, fe- like, feminism, the feminism movement came from. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that, Melissa. Yeah, of course. Um, and so in, in doing so, I was like, okay, like, why am I a feminist? Why am I feeling, why was I feeling this type of way? And it was obviously because of the background, you know, how I was raised, like you said, Yessi, just seeing a lot of the domestic abuse um, in different areas in my life. Um, I realized that I had such a perverted perspective of what a true masculine was. Right. And so in coming to the church, you know, I started to realize, and even a little bit before that, you know, doing my own research of what a true man is and what true masculinity is. And once I had that type of revelation, it was such a game changer for me, for my life um, and everything in me. It really just changed my perspective and it changed the way that I started doing life and even viewing men and viewing myself, I should say. So I think once people have that true revelation, it really is a game changer. Yeah. Shekinah? Yeah, and I like what my dad said in the in the interview, which is he reminded us that there's no such thing as toxic masculinity, mm-hmm. because as you as he said, and as you just reiterated, masculinity protects. Right. Masculinity is what a biblical man is. Yeah. Right. Um, and so to call something like, oh, you're toxic. That's a toxic mas- masculinity. I mean, I get 
the reference and what people are really saying, of course. Um, but to call it masculinity is just false because that's not masculinity at all. Masculinity is uh, protection. And as yes, you just said, if you are in any way um, abusing um, women or children and you're using that as an excuse of I'm just a man, um, that's called cowardice. Right. And you're hiding behind this false sense of masculinity that doesn't actually exist. And so I like that my dad really touched on that is the word toxic masculinity is non-existent. That's not a real thing. Yeah. Yeah, and it's true. Uh, and back in the interview, I referenced an article that I had read. And one of the things that I got out of that article is like, you know, as women, we feel threatened when men don't let us be in the space that they are in, right? And we're like, oh, well, I can do that. I can do what they're doing. I can, I don't know, join the army. I can do, and I'm not saying we can't, like, in that there's not a place for us there. But I realized that as women, like, the more that we try to be like men, the more that we ourselves, we we really go against our own design, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's like, if I, like today, for example, somebody was, um, we were in church and I was, um, I was here early and somebody, they were setting up for an event. And so then he came, he was unloading his truck and I was like, dude, like maybe I should help, like he's carrying in waters. And so then I walked out and he was like, Melly, like, what are you doing? Just go back inside and like do what you were doing. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I was like, say less. And so that to me is like, but I know he didn't say it out of like, dude, like get out of here. He was just like, no, like it's fine. Like I got it. And so and I'm like, I love that because I also in this environment and in this community, I also know that if I'm ever using my role as a woman, as a cop out, I also get called out mm -hmm. on it. Right. They're all like, hey, like you really can be doing this. Like you really can be helping in that. And so honestly, being around men has really and I, this might sound counterintuitive or counterproductive. I don't know. But correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like the more that I'm around men, the more that I'm able to be a woman. Yeah. Like the more that a respectful men, right? Respectful men. And that honor me and value me and that really allow me to just be who I need to be. Then that allows my femininity to come out in a healthy way where it's not perversive. It's not mm -hmm. lustful. It's just me being in my role. And like the more that I fall back into my role and they step into their role, then I think the more that we have such a, a profound community, you know? Yes. So, yeah, I loved, I loved his definition for that. I remember the first time I heard him talk about that, I was like, mind blown. I mean, you guys heard my gasp in that interview. That's exactly how I felt. <laughs> yeah, it was really cute. I liked it. <laughs> um, the next thing he talked about was, um, let's see. Oh, the lack of maturity in men, which causes them to be afraid of rejection and to step into a life that's recluse, like, they're just mm -hmm. in their bedroom. Uh, I like to use the analogy of like a mom's basement. I think you actually mentioned that in one <laughs> of our one of our podcasts. So, what did you guys think about that? Uh, I'll start with Denise. Um, I think he's right on. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was really really good. I mean, it just it goes back to what society has done, right? And yeah. society has done such a damaging job. Um, and even as women, we've done a we've we've harmed our men. Yeah. And I know that's, I'm not saying that that relieves the responsibility of the men, but men are designed and wired to protect, to provide, yeah. right? Um, for connection. And if we don't allow that to happen, then we're just basically not allowing nature to take its course, I guess yeah. I can say. But, um, you know, I loved what he talked about. I love how, you know, it's important for us to even create an environment for like a real world connection, yeah. which takes them out of um, being in the, like the mom's basement, right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, being, you know, playing, like I think you mentioned about, and this is when something that I'm huge on, you know, and he's like, you know, 
guys that are playing video games all day and are not out there doing what they need to be doing, like that's not a true man either. Right. Um, so I just, I love that he, he definitely spoke on that and he touched on that. And it's just, I, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Do any of you ladies want to chime in on that? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, and obviously, like Denise, I agree. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, no, it's absolutely true because we have created this culture where men aren't in an environment where they can thrive. And unfortunately, the feminist movement, the toxic feminist movement, I should say, um, has really tried to put, and here's the thing, women are strong, right? I mean, like, we can do it all. That's the problem. <laughs> but when we don't give men that room to be men, then they do start to kind of get reclusive. And I love what Denise said, that doesn't excuse the men, right? right? They still need to take responsibility. But that does kind of start setting that kind of reclusive, you know, mindset until, you know, they're kind of just on standby. And I know too many men who won't deal with their stuff, who won't take um, prioritizing their future, their what they invest their time in or their interests and their passions in until they get married or until they just start, until they find the one, you know, and they're not yeah. preparing, they're not, they're not advancing into the next phase of their life because they're just kind of on standby until, you know, they do meet a cute girl that will hopefully maybe motivate them to do that, you know, and um, it's kind of, it's sad to be honest. And, and it leads to why we have so much depression, why we have so much anxiety is because men aren't being allowed to be men and women aren't really taking their role on as women. And it just creates this topsy turvy world, yeah, you know, of just reclusiveness and depression. And, um, yeah, so just getting out there, permitting yourself to be a man and, um, getting outside of, you know, the mom's basement, you yeah. know, um, to really step into what you're called to be. Yeah. And I, you know, what I want to make sure we don't sound like is, um, and I mentioned this in the interview as well, like, I don't want to be lopsided, right? I don't want to be bashing men. I don't want to be no. um, putting them up on, like, this undeserved pedestal either. And I don't want to be bashing women. And I don't want to be putting mm -hmm. ourselves in an undeserved um, pedestal either. But I think these conversations are important because um, in order to restore a healthy environment and a, so and a healthy society, there has to be honor between men and women. And so... I know that maybe for some of us it may sound a little bit cringy talking about like, oh man, they like we, we need to give them the space or and I think that may actually be coming out of a place of pain, out of a place of hurt, because there may there there may have been some men in your life that haven't honored you. The uh, and I'm talking to the women, obviously. Um, there may be some men in your life that didn't honor you, that didn't give you the respect. And so I know for me, talking um growing up, we all have our growing up stories, right? And we all have um there's no father perfect except the Lord. Mm -hmm. And so we all have been around men. Like the men in my life um, have definitely even, I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> um, but we've all have had our own examples of what that looks like. And even for me, honestly, having these conversations sometimes is a little bit uncomfortable because growing up as a woman in a Hispanic household where the woman was expected to just do the cooking. And before I used to think that that was so demeaning or I thought that that was weak. Um, but obviously there is honor among that, right? Mm -hmm. So as you hear us talking about this, like, like please don't, don't think that we're, we're trying to lean to one thing more than the other because it's really important just to present both roles um, for 
the areas that we have opportunity and areas that we have absolute success in. And so I just want to make sure, because I, I, I don't know, I just didn't want to make it seem like we're cheerleaders for yeah. one side and um, haters of the other. <laughs> no, I'm glad you clarified well, no, that. No, I think, sorry, I think that when you really understand God's design and the way we're biblically supposed to, the mm -hmm. roles we're supposed to take on, per se, or look, I like to, I don't like to say roles. I, I call it callings. I really believe That's that good. being a mother, a father, a husband and a wife, it's a calling. Yes. And I think when you look at it as a calling, there's a different type of reverence towards it, right? right? Because think about it, any type of career that you're trying to go, you know, grow into, you, you, you take, you take it on and you're like, I'm going to be the best at it because I want to succeed. Right. That's good. Yeah. So when you take the role of wife, of mother, um, on, as a calling, you really try to figure out how can I be the best that I can be? How did God design it? Because when you do it God's way, then he can help you in it instead of when you do it your way. You know, um, I know you mentioned something, Shekinah, and I'm going to just disagree a little bit. When you said, women, we can do it all. I can't. I can't do it all. And I never want right. to Thank think you for that I can. <laughs> because the moment that I think that I can, I no longer need my husband. That's and good. that's not a good place to be. Yeah. Um, I, I can try, I'm, and I'm sure that I can try to figure it out. Just just yesterday, my daughter locked me out of the room, and I couldn't figure <laughs> right. out how to open the door. And Which one was it? <laughs> and I finally, it took me like an hour and a half, and I figured it out. Wow. But my husband, and then my, and then she locked it again, and then my oh husband my like, came in, and like two seconds, he figured it out. So I'm like, really, dude? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so, so I just wanted to say that in my, and this is just my perspective, right? But. When you read the Proverbs 31 women, I think that's a beautiful explanation and understanding of what each role does, right? And I love this part because when I studied it out, Pastor Linda pointed out something so phenomenal. She's like, the woman is able to do all of these things once her, her once her husband is established. Mm, that's good. When the husband was at the gates, it's because he was already, he had a reputation, right? But if you see everything woman does she was able to buy land you know she's a homemaker she's a businesswoman she's political she's so many different things because the foundation has been established okay. yeah. um sorry i yes i know that you want to chime in but i also have the question of um and i think what you're saying is really important but as a single woman i think it's important to also discuss that right because it's like okay once her husband was established so then as a single woman it's like well, do I wait? Like, what does that mean for me when I'm not even dating? Like, when I don't even have somebody, what what would you guys think? Um, because obviously, as Shekinah was mentioning earlier, like, we don't step into these roles until we're, like, unless we're married. Like, obviously, we have to be in these roles before. And so then now, I guess my question to you guys would be, how would you give that same advice to a single woman? I would say to treat um, and see God as your husband as your provider, mm -hmm. and um, he will fill in those needs where you have it. And then when you do get married, uh, Lord willing, right? Um, <laughs> you will see how um, God is actually gonna be your main provider still. Like he is going to be nurturing and providing for even your husband like when you can't even do it. Because I, like myself, I'm a stay at home mom, right? And a wife. <laughs> and what can I do um, to bring in profit in the house is just by, I don't bring in money, you know, I spend it. <laughs> um, but God has, if you pray and you know that God is your provider, he will provide for your husband in ways that you can't. And I mm -hmm. think that if you're single, 
just knowing and trusting in God that way, you can bring that into your marriage. Absolutely. And I think that's the best practice to do. And I think that's the best advice I can at least give is if you really, really see God as your husband, as your provider, as your nurturer, as the one that fill in, fills in the gaps, who comforts you, who loves you, who, who can make you even laugh because, you know, <laughs> God has a sense of humor, right? And when you when you have that intimacy with God, you're going to be so thankful and 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 so amazed because when you get married at at the beginning and there's going to be times where you're going to still need God to fill in those gaps where your husband can't and again I think that's the best advice I can at least give what do you guys think I agree Um, see the girls that I've mentored um the girls that have been able to tap into the single girls that have been able to tap into God as their husband have far excelled because for to be honest, I love my husband, but our husbands are flawed, right? God, your husband is not flawed. He's actually perfect. Right. Yes. So to some degree, women that, that are single and rely on God as their husband have a better advantage because you're submitting to a perfect person versus a woman who's, you know, a, has a husband who's in the flesh. Yeah. It's not perfect. So, you know, and for me, that's one advice that I've given the girls and when they're able to tap into that. And that really becomes what's a place of relinquishing their heart to them, to God as their husband. Um, and I've seen testimonies of, you know, supernatural um, apartments being handed to to a woman, wow. you know, and pay, being yep. paid for yep. um, because she relied on God as her husband. You know, debt, you know, wiping out debts and all these things have happened. And I can say it with full authority because I've witnessed it. Amazing. Yeah, and, and that's why I wanted to make sure I first heard it from you guys, right, and let the listeners listen listen to that um, because, again, I and I, I hate to keep using this term, but we're not going to be lopsided. And so then um, I agree with them. There is no better advice for any single person than to treat God as that person, right? Um, and I know it sounds a little weird for men to treat him as a, <laughs> as a husband, but, I mean, we are the bride of Christ. Um, but I agree. I think in doing that, I've become pretty like, I don't know if limitless is the right word, but in a, in a way I have because um, I've realized that, like you said, Yassi, like the more that I lean into God being my husband, the more that I, I see possibilities open, right? And so then the more favor that I'm going to expect when I have a, a spouse and the more that I'm going to be able to have faith. And I've been able to see that in your life and Denise's life and a lot of my married uh, friends' lives because it's like I, the ones that took the time to learn God in that way and to mm-hmm. have that experience with him really um, have faith that their husbands sometimes don't have. And so their husbands are like, oh, um, I don't know if I could do this. And like, no, trust me, God is on our side. God is going to allow this to happen. Or God is not pleased with that, so let's not do that because uh, it's both sides of the yeah. cra- of the coin. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, so I I love that. Um, so now I want to talk about <laughs> I want to talk about soulmates and uh, the fear of committing to somebody and the fairy tale aspect that we talked about in in the interview. I I um, remember at the very, very beginning of me coming to church, I believed in soulmates, and I remember someone bursted my bubble. I think it was my husband, Andre. Um, He's like, soulmates don't exist. And I was like, no, because then I thought my fairy tale was like over. There's no soulmates, right? But, you know, God has somebody unique for everybody, but if there was really soulmates, then it it just doesn't make sense. Then you would only have one right person yeah and that's that's the concept of soulmates is there's one perfect person for you out there but then when you start incorporating that whole 
free will, right? Where it's like, well, maybe your soulmate took a derail when yeah. like he or she was like in high school and all of a sudden like, I don't know, I'm thinking worst case scenario, but you guys put whatever you want to put in there. But they totally derailed their life because we all have free will. Like, first of all, if I'm getting my life together and my soulmate ends up being like this guy that has nothing going for him, I'm going to be like, I'm sorry, but I want, <laughs> I need a return. Like, where's the receipt? I need this guy returned, right? Because I'm like, well, it wouldn't be fair. And so I think um, the whole soulmates thing, I remember I got my, my bubble burst with that one too because I was like, bro come yeah. on <laughs> like I wanted that idea yeah. you know but once we look at it in the grand scheme of things and with that concept it's just like thank god there's no soulmate right yeah. <laughs> and then I, obviously we serve a god if we just follow the fundamental um principles that are in the bible all relationships can work yes mm -hmm. if we stick to that mm -hmm. if you stick to if the, both of them yeah yeah if you yeah. both stick to it yeah, you, you know both have to be, yes yeah. you both have to be in agreement because if one does it then and the other one doesn't it doesn't work yeah but if if both that can work because how many times have people said that they've been in an arranged marriage never met this person obviously that's really hard to say you're my mm -hmm. soulmate the first time but those marriages have lasted so long that's why people do married at first sight you know because those season nine check it out yeah. <laughs> i think they're on season 15 now <laughs> But those things work. So, I I mean, those are just my thoughts. But I will say I was very disappointed, but it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Shekinah, because you grew up in the church. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Talk to us. Yeah, yeah. I was. I loved Disney movies growing up. Um, I, you know, all that, right? You see that and you're just like, oh, the prince. And my dad, being my dad right away, would just be like, look, <laughs> it's cute on screen. But if somebody walks up to you and singing in a forest, run like, or fight them or send them to me, yeah. you know. Um, but, yeah, no, the concept of soulmates was never taught in my house at all. Mm. It's um, it's something you work towards, something you 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 grow into a relationship with somebody. And as she said, with arranged marriages, the reason arranged marriages works because you have typically it's the fathers of the household that get together and arrange a marriage based off of value, based off of family um, family structure based off of all of that, the fathers get together and go, how did you raise your son? And he goes, how did you raise your daughter? And then they make that agreement. And then you would think, well, that's weird because now these two people who don't really know each other, who've never really met, are now getting married. But because the core values mm. and belief system and religion was all the same or at least rooted in the same place, they were able to grow into love you know, and they're able to work together through that. And so that's why arranged marriages are so successful. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the ones that, you know, are <laughs> through good terms. But so, yeah. yeah in the Vine Dating, in the Vine join dating. us, November yeah. 18. <laughs> We're not trying to arrange marriages, but let's just using an example of why they work. You know, you have people who are rooted in the same place. So when you both are rooted in God and you both highly value biblical standards and you both are operating in those biblical standards, you can pretty much make a marriage work with anybody. I mean, it's just the truth. Like, you can make a marriage work with that guy across the room you've never met before. Like, hey, do you, are you a biblical man? Do you have biblical standards? Now, again, like, it's nice to have things in common. It's nice to have the same sense of humor. It's nice to be attracted to the right. person. Wow. Of course. Percent. Like, we're not saying don't, don't actually do that, guys. Please. <laughs> but you can make it work if you were both willing and yeah. so the concept of soulmates just go back to, you know, like you, if you have that one person who 
who's supposed to be your soulmate, right? Like right. you have that one soul, this one person in the world that's supposed to be designed for you. Well, you're right. Like what if that one person got derailed, married the wrong person? Now you're yeah. left with the wrong person. Now they're yeah. off the wrong person. And now the whole rule, maybe that's what's wrong with the world. That's ex- There was one guy there was or one, one girl guy that, that stepped out of the will of God and didn't <laughs> marry oh who they're supposed to marry and ruin it for us all. But <laughs> I'm sure his name was like Tim or something. <laughs> Chet. Luke. <laughs> It's probably got John out there somewhere. <laughs> John Smith. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, that's good. And I especially like the the fairy tale aspect, right? I remember there I was uh when I used to work at a at a call center, I remember I was sitting there and my boss was listening to that Bruno Mars, like I would die for you, whatever. Oh, I love that song. And I, well, I'm about to burst your bubble, probably. <laughs> and so then um I remember I was it's listening called grenade. to Grenade. <laughs> oh, there you go, yeah. grenade. That's how much I know. Um and all of a sudden, like, I'm sitting there and I'm minding my own business, and all of a sudden, I, I felt this, like, anger rise up inside of me. And I was like, this is weird. I'm just out here trying to answer these phone calls. And then I just felt the spirit of the Lord come upon me. He's like, that's the problem. He's like, many people want to do these big acts of chivalry, and they want to show these big acts of, like, I'll do this for you, I'll do that for you. And he's like, what? What's really needed is somebody that's going to walk every day with you, somebody that's going to be in the day in, the day out with you. And unfortunately, you know, the fairy tale story, the fairy tale concept, it has bought these people, bought us into these lives where it's like, well, if he's not doing these grandiose things and if he's not showing, showing up and showing out or if she's not doing the most, like if she's not showing up like uh, like uh, to the nines, then clearly they don't they don't value me or they don't respect me or they don't want me as much as they say they do. But in reality, like, I'd rather have somebody to go and pick up food for me than somebody to freaking die for me. First of all, live with me. Yeah, you know live, what I mean? Yeah. Like, live with me through the ugly, through the bad, to the good. Like, when I'm just not in the best, like, I want you there for those moments, you know? Yeah. And um, I think society has just taken this concept of fairy tale where it's just like they've created these, um, they've created these ideas where, people can't amount to them, right? And I think that goes back to guys and, and girls, really, being recluse, where um, that's why girls are like, oh, no, this man don't deserve me, and they try to act all stank. Mm-hmm. Or like that <laughs> sexual revolution where now girls are using their um, their promiscuity as empowerment, when in reality it's really just destroying us as a culture. It's a brokenness, yeah. And it's so, it's so heartbreaking because, you know, on one side of the coin they're all like, oh, no, like men can't treat us like this and blah, 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 and yet they're out here bumping this music that, literally degrades women it's an entire like to me hip-hop I used to as I mentioned before like I used to be a huge hip-hop head and now when I try to listen to it it's like it my stomach my like literally I have a physical reaction to it because I'm like dude like this is the reason why I was okay with living the life that I was living this is why it was okay for me how where I felt okay having the friends that I had where we all would come and go clubbing or whatever the case may be and put ourselves in such a degrading position thinking that it was freedom but it wasn't freedom. It was really putting, a, and it still is putting so many women in bondage, and for men too. You know, like again, it's easier for men to be promiscuous and for them to not have that much. Um, even though, when you look at it, even scientifically, what happens when two people have intercourse together, or when two people have a connection, like looking at that way, men do have repercussions. But when it comes to, like, for example, if the woman ends up pregnant, it's the woman that really has to deal with a lot of mm-hmm. it, right? And so then it's putting men in these places where they themselves are taking themselves out of their masculine role, right? Where we have the Nick Cannons of the world that are just popping out babies everywhere thinking that they're doing a favor to society when in reality they're adding to the problem much more 
because it's not just about being able to produce an offering, offspring, it's being able to be there and teaching, teaching them how to be men, teaching them how to be women, teaching them the concepts of being uh, treated and like respectfully and honored. And unfortunately, like we don't have that anymore. And you know, and I remember, and it even also adds on, sorry, I, I know that I'm rambling, but it even adds on to like even um, women friendships. Like I remember when I was out in the world, like, yeah, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if you guys ever let your friends talk to you like this, but they were like, hey, girl, and they're like cussing each other, like, hey, B, what, blah, blah. And it's like, wait a minute. If I'm in a crowd and somebody yells that out, and if my enemy would call me the same thing that my friend is calling me right now, what kind of friendship is this? Mm. And it sounds really endearing, and it sounds like, oh, yeah, that's my B, blah, blah, blah. First of all, I don't even hear, like, if my parents don't talk to me like that, my friends should not be talking to me like that. Like, who do you think you are? You know what I mean? And so I know that I kind of went uh, kind of off on a tangent, but it's this fairy tale nonsense yeah. that we bought into that has, uh, has allowed us to go to, like, the completely different spectrum where it's like, well, if the fairy tale isn't happening, then I'm just going to go and I'm going to wild out and I'm going to go with whatever whatever comes my way, you know? And then hoping Prince Charming, you know, shows up. Yeah, and at the or same time. Or a princess needs mm -hmm. rescue. Absolutely. It's like, you know, I, we thought it was cute being like that damsel in distress. And it's just like, um, I, if I ever end up with a guy who wants to be with a damsel in distress, disgusting. Like, I, <laughs> I don't need you to come alongside me and help me only in my weakness. Like, we need to build, you yeah. know? Um, what do you think, Denise? I think you're absolutely correct. Um, and then it's funny because it's like so, like you said, counterproductive in like the, the cycle. Because here we are putting these things out and then we attract what we put out. That's and then right. we're upset because we attracted what we didn't yeah. want. But yet <laughs> that's what we're calling for, yeah. you know? And then we as women blame the men, but it's like, dude, you're putting this out. Exactly. So like, who's really at fault, right? Exactly. So I agree. I it's agree true. completely with you. Yeah, and like you said, the damsel in distress thing. When you're when you're taking pride in and you're living like the damsel in distress, right? right? Like I, I need I need help, or you know, you often like, oh, my parents are just this way mm -hmm. and I can't get out, or whatever it is, whatever excuse. There's a brokenness there, Absolutely. and as Denise said, you attract what you put out. Your brokenness is attracting brokenness, and you yeah. tend to get these guys who um, are just kind of jerks, mm -hmm. manipulative, controlling, uh, narcissist. And you might find out, why do I keep attracting these people? It's because your brokenness attracted it. You were saying, I wanted a Prince Charming. I wanted someone to save me. That guy who was maybe a little overconfident, a little cocky, um, arrogant, and prideful thought, I get to be her hero. Right. That's okay. It reminds me, because we've been talking about my 600-pound life. And I know Yessie and I used obsessed. to watch this show. I've been obsessed. And Denise, too. And, de <laughs> and so we're like, dude, like, none of yes. these women are single. And it's true, like, because what happens, I'm sure it's a trend on the show because I haven't yes. really watched it like that. But as soon as these women get healthy and they start losing mm -hmm. weight, they lose their men. Because yep. the men were attracted to the weakness. They wanted to be needed in that way you yeah. know and i'm like that's disgusting first of all ain't nobody coming over here with no, no fetish it's true and that's what i noticed too i was like oh my gosh they have these supportive amazing men they're over here washing their bodies they're over Ugh. getting them food like man like they're really looking past all that and they really love this person yeah. but then there are so many women who get healthy who are able to then be independent raise their own right. children and then the men go i don't want that anymore yeah and that's what they they, they needed to be needed Yes. essentially yeah. Yeah. and so they weird. actually fed into their weakness they would mm -hmm. feed them even more so they can be needed which yeah. is gross they were yeah it's always the, they're the enablers yes 
enablers, yeah. Hey, hit us up, my 600 pound life. We would be more than happy to come out on there. Well, not as, yeah, was like, as a panel, yeah. as a panel. Um, hit that buffet first. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't, I don't think I want to have a comma with that doctor. I yeah. do. Oh, I'm like, tell me everything I have. I love that doctor. He's just straightforward. <laughs> have you guys seen the one where she was like, I'm just picky with what I eat. He's like, you're 600 pounds. You're, you're not, not picky. picky. <laughs> that sounds like Pastor Linda, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I love that doctor. A lot of people have his magnet on the refrigerator. Really? Yeah. yeah. So this way, if you go to the refrigerator, he's like, are you, do you need food right now? And that's what it says, you know? That's awesome. I love it. Um, I did want to just go back to the fairy tale thing. Oh, yeah. I think A-Rob uh, touched on this too. Obviously, we know about the the negative view on the fairy tale, but when it when you really do have a relationship, he did say, like, God is not going to take the fun out of it, right? Right. And I thought that was really cool because when you, he said, like, people start to hang out and then they hang out with somebody and then years go by or months go by and they're like, you know what? I really like this person. And he's like, there's a fun to it. Like, God's not going to take that away from you guys. And dating and making all that, you know, those memories, those are like amazing times. Yes. And I think those are like the true fairy tale moments. I Thank you for, for covering that. Because you're absolutely right. Feelings catch up. Yeah. Feelings can grow. Feelings are essentially, but when you make, it's, it goes back to when you make feelings a priority, that's when, if, you're, if your relationship is built on feelings, right, then it's going to be as wavering as feelings, yeah. Yeah. right? But when your relationship is built on biblical standards and biblical values, those feelings come in and yeah. you do have that fairy tale moment. We can look at this person and go, man, look at all the things that we created together, all yeah. the things that we worked on together, the fun that I'm having with you because now the, the relationship is built on uh, mutual standards as opposed to just feelings. Yeah. And now those feelings are just that added bonus and the, the icing on the cake as opposed to the foundation, which can crumble. Yes. Yes, I agree. Um, the next thing in that same vein is the fear of committing to somebody. I just saw like a, a reel on Insta and the guy was talking about how he asked his wife or something along those lines where he's like, what if I find somebody better? And the wife was like, no, you're going to find somebody better. She's like, that's why you have to every day get up and commit to me again. Like we have to commit to one another every day and choose one another. And I thought that was so profound because I think that's one of the fears that uh, I know that I've had in the past where it's like, well, you know, one, selling myself short, right? And just being like, well, what if I'm not good enough? Like, blah, 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 blah. There's one, that's one vein, one side of the coin. And the other side of the coin is like, well, what if I'm settling with this guy? And what if this is happening? What if he's not it? And blah, blah, blah. And um, throughout the years, the Lord has just been speaking to me. He's like, Melissa, like, it really just comes down to that. What the guy was saying is committing to one another and choosing to endure with that person and so uh and i think we find that with everything like from and i and i think it's so important because we isolate what's going on in relationships with everything else but no it's like it even comes i know we keep talking about jobs but it's even in job settings like with coworkers. Mm -hmm. like um when i go to a new job i can't just be like oh i'm not gonna make it work with this coworker. like i have to try i have to choose to be nice to her or him, and she has to also try to, like, have a, a good working relationship. And I think it's how you do one thing, it's how you do everything, right? Yeah, Denise. <laughs> I think that's amazing that you shared that. I, I know that as a married woman, um, 
I choose to love my husband every day. And there's right. days that are hard, right? Because mm -hmm. you, you tell God, you're like, he doesn't deserve it. <laughs> and, you know, you get in your moments and your feelings and he doesn't deserve it right now. He's not seeing. And, you know, he's stubborn or I'm stubborn. But I always think about, okay, we have to be Christ-like. And how did Christ treat us, right? Yeah. He gave himself up and he chose us when we were undeserving. Yeah. And I always think about that, and I'm like, okay. I mean, if I was given that grace, I have to extend that grace. I Absolutely. have to. That's so beautiful. I yeah. love that. Denise, you want to chime in? No, I think you guys are absolutely correct. Uh, yes, he hit it on the nail. It's you. It's a commitment. Are you too, Melissa? It's a commitment. It's a choice. It's it's something that you have to choose to do. It reminds me of that scripture, like die to yourself, like pick yeah. up the cross daily and die to yourself. <laughs> and that's exactly what it is in marriage. You know, you have your good days, you have your bad days, you have you know awesome days, you have terrible days, and in that you just have to choose to um, both be committed. Yeah. And I love what I think it was what Shekinah said. You really can't go based off of feelings, right? Like. Yeah. Um, the, the lust, the, the, that yes. does fluctuate, like feelings come and go on a daily basis. And, you know, if you're going to live your life based off those emotions, you're going to be unstable the whole time. Yeah. So it goes back to just, you know, um, finding someone who's willing to commit with you every day, who's willing to put in the work and who's willing to go through the trenches, you know, everything, um, together. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. Yeah. Um, Oh, and that also goes back to um, masculinity, right? right? What are men supposed to do? They're supposed to lay down their life for their wife. Sacrificial. Yes. Yeah. And so yeah. choosing I, her in those moments too. <laughs> you know, you're right. I love that you say that, Yessie, because just recently my husband was um, giving advice to a guy. And when he, when he, when I heard him speak this, I'm like, it gave me more insight as a woman. Mm -hmm. He was like, guys by nature, they tend to be more selfish, He's like, so when you go to bed at night, ask yourself, did I do more for me tonight or today? Or did I do more for my wife and kid? And when he said that, I'm like, dang, that's really good. Like, I need to start asking myself that question, you know? Um, so I think that's really good perspective as well. That's good. Yes, that's very true, especially, yeah, in the marriage, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Shekinah, do you want to add anything? No, let's go. Let's move on. I think cool. you guys covered it. It was excellent. <laughs> Um, okay, so I'm, I don't know if I want to jump around a little bit. No, okay, so do you guys recall how he defined biblical masculinity? Yes. Jesus. <laughs> to look at, Je look at Jesus? Yep, to look at yeah. Jesus. I thought that was, like, really cool because it really just simplifies it, right? And, the, and I know that you kind of just brought that up where it's like, well, Jesus laid down his life for his, his bride. And I think that's so beautiful. If you ever get the opportunity to look up how, um, Weddings were done in the ancient days in Israel. I think you should definitely do that mm -hmm. just because it's so picturesque of how much Jesus really, like, loves the church, loves us. But um, more than that, I loved how he was like, you know, you got to be willing to fight. You got to be willing to lay down your life. And at the same time, you got to be willing to nurture. You got to be willing to be compassionate and take care of. Because being protective doesn't just mean stand behind me, <laughs> right? Being protective, I think, also stands for... I'm going to, like, for example, I told Denise this. So something recently happened where, um, how do I explain it through audio? Let's see. <laughs> something just recently happened when um, Denise was, somebody was talking some, to something with Denise. And so and I was recording it so that Denise can re uh, reference back to it later. And then I turned around and I saw her husband doing the same. Like, he was busy. He was handling, the, like, the audio, the sound system and everything. But I turned around 
And he literally stopped doing all of that in order to be able to record what was happening with Denise. And I was like, dude, like, I love that because Denise didn't have to tell him to do that. He just knew. He just knew her heart. And so I'm like, to me, that's a, that's a way of protecting somebody. It's like not just the verbalized need or not just those things, but learning and foreseeing what that person can need at some point. Like, does that make sense? Yeah, I, I know Mike is Denise's number one fan for sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yes. Um, we all know that it's very obvious. Good, good job, Mike. <laughs> but um, I, I think that is awesome because that is a, a perfect example. Another example would be um, protecting your wife in the way that you, you know, um, her imagery. So if you go mm, somewhere, um, making sure you don't talk bad about her, like the way my husband would talk yes. about me at work is a huge thing because yeah. that's also protecting me, you know? Mm -hmm. um, if, let's say, I'm going through some battles or something and I'm struggling I'm a hot mess he's not gonna be like oh she's a hot mess over here no right she's, I love she's that. good she's just at home you know she's just hanging out um but he's checking in on me or any of those things I think that's a huge thing too I a protection that. you know making oh, sure absolutely. that she's she she's like how we're supposed to protect our husband and announce him right at the gates right yes, yes. um the same thing I think absolutely and we definitely see that like we definitely notice that with other guys is how they talk about their wives and they're not around Right? Like, yeah. we definitely see that. And, like, how Andre and how Mike talk about you two, oh, I've you. never heard a single negative thing. And I'm sure you do have your bad days, and I'm sure there's days that he's frustrated. But does he bring that out to other people and other individuals? Or social media? Oh. Or social media? Yeah. Absolutely we'll not. About that is disrespectful. But you're right. Protection goes to the heart of it, which is, is she around or is she not around? It doesn't matter. Are you protecting her? Yeah. Yeah. Really and another thing that I want to add about the, you know, masculinity and what it looks like, one of the biggest revelations that I ever received, um, and it came through Pastor Linda, and she referred me over to, I don't know if you guys know, Victor Marks and Eileen Marks. Love I love their marriage ministry. They have been game changers for me. Um, and I always used to say, gosh, I want my husband to be nice. And then <laughs> I was like, wait, after I realized what nice was, I was like, I don't want my husband to be nice. He's already kind, and that's what I want. Mm. And I want to wrap that up and say, you know, there's a difference in men between being kind and nice. A kind man will defend, protect, and nurture, and not easily be swayed and doesn't fall into pleasing people. Mm. A good. nice guy pleases men, other people. Yeah. And good. so I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, And for me, this was like a revelation I got like recently, like within the last year or two, you know? <laughs> so in going back to like, you know, the toxic masculinity or men, you know, um, when you say you want a nice guy, a nice guy is going to please. And that means that he's going to do whatever it is to please others. And that sometimes it's going to hurt you as a woman. So, you know, I think for me, just if I, I want to say is, you know, there's a difference between being nice and kind and always choose kind over nice because kind will protect, will nurture, but will also stand up and say no and enough is enough. Yeah. That's really good. That's really I good. I never heard that before. That's really good. That's really good. Um, okay, so now this one's going to be... Maybe the most controversial. It's for example how he described men paying for the date, and how he was how we talked about like those kind of things. I'm gonna admit like that made me feel so uncomfortable. So <laughs> because uh, you know how do I say this? How do I say this? <laughs> and I obviously like I agree with a Rob right, and so to hear it with and. You know, something that I want, I, want, I want to give a little bit of context as to why I respect this man so much. When I first came into the church, I was really going through a lot of, like, family problems. And um, they were like, A-Rob in particularly was like, you, you have to put your foot down. Like, 
this person should not be doing that. They should not be putting you in that position. And as a as a Hispanic um, culture, I'm sure you guys know, like, you got to honor your parents no matter what. Mm -hmm. Like, whatever they say, whatever they need from you, you better do it. If not, it's like family and, and that's it. And so then, obviously, the word of God says that Jesus came to divide <laughs> families, right? And so then for me, that was really tough, um, especially because of the situation that was happening. And so then they're like, this is what you should do. You should handle it this way. And it came to a point where things just really came to a head. And um, thankfully, things were able to de to diffuse a bit. And um, I was on the phone with Pastor Linda, and she was like, Rob was ready. He was ready to go over there, and he was ready to speak his mind. He was ready to stand up for you the way that you should have deserved to be mm -hmm. stood up for. And he's like, the only thing that stopped him was because you ended up doing X, Y, Z. And I was like, in that moment, even though he didn't do that, like, I knew he would. Yeah. I really had no shadow of a doubt that he would. And not just that, but he, the way that he's protected my friends and I, like, he was the one that, like, he, so, not, I don't just see it in me, but I see it in the way that he takes care of Shekinah, like, what he said, and his other daughter, Destiny, and um, to me, I've seen it play out before it was even a topic of discussion. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's why I really want to say that, right? So when he says, like, you know, a man should be paying for your dates, like a man should be taking care of you like this, I've seen it, I've seen him do it day in and day out. Like, whenever we just tag along for lunch or dinner or whatever, like, he always takes care of us. We went, I went to Israel with them, like, <laughs> that was scary. It was my first trip out of the, out of the nation. And I always just felt, like, protected because I knew that I had a father figure there, right? And so then this is, uh, I think, all four of us here, well, especially Shekinah, um, all four of us here can say similar things. And so when I say this, like, you know, he's really saying it out of a place of I'm doing this and I've mm -hmm. done this. And... I'm teaching the men in my church to do this. Like, cause even, um, yeah, I'm not even gonna go there, but it's just, it's so good. Like, for example, as a single woman, I can call up um, one of the men in our church, Victor, and I can be like, hey, like my car's making this noise. Yeah. Can you help me? And for example, I actually just did that. I was like, I think I need new brakes. And he was like, okay, bring the car over. I took it. And he was like, no, you're fine. He cleaned the brakes and all, did all the things. And I was He's like, great. how much do I owe you? Blesses me. And it's like, it's such a cult, mm -hmm. it's such a culture in our in our church because men are men and women are women. Mm -hmm. And it's not overstepping boundaries. And it's not like even to the point where there's so much community among women. Like, for example, you know, out, out in the world, you're like, oh, I can only be friends with men because girls, there's too much drama. No, like, real women honor real women. Yes. Yeah. And this is the reason why we're able to drive so much here because it's like, dude, like, I'm going to honor you no matter what. I'm going to honor you as a woman. I'm going to honor you as a married woman, right? And that's why it's so important to me. Like, I know that, uh, I know we've talked about this before, but even as a single woman, like, um, once my friends started having kids, like, I could have easily just been like, oh, well, now they're in a different state. Like, on all Peace these out, things. Right? Peace out, yeah. Like, I'm going to go party, <laughs> But now I'm like, why would I ever do that? Like, if you're if you're friends with somebody, like, why would you ever start isolating them yourself or them the moment that their life starts changing? If anything, it's a gift from God, right? Where he allows you insight into different families. And now my friends that are married, they're so invested into my dating life. You're welcome. I bring you the entertainment. <laughs> and this is why we're all here, really, just to hear about Melissa yeah. <laughs> and my failures Sex. and my successes. <laughs> I, yeah. sent, I sent Denise this meme that said, um, don't be fooled. Your friend's love life will also be your problem. <laughs> I was like, accurate. It has become, yes, it has. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, and so 
Anyway, I, I'm telling you all of that because of what I'm about to say. So he was talking about um, men paying for the date and just being chivalrous and being all these things like opening the door. And coming from the world where I never thought that that was possible. I never thought, honestly, to this day, like it's been something very difficult for me to break, um, especially because I'm, um, and I say this within context, so like I'm, I tend to be a very independent woman. And so to allow a man to come in and do that for me is really uncomfortable. But that also really comes down to like a worthiness issue, right? Like, and where it's just like, do I deserve this? And so then I remember in being in the interview with him, like all of a sudden I got that revelation where it's like, no, it's not just the men pouring out, it's the woman being a good steward of that pouring out. And so then I'm like, okay, like as a woman who's receiving this blessing and somebody like a man's attention or whatever the case may be, like how can I reciprocate that without it having to be in a monetary form? And so then that to me has become like, again, I know I keep preaching to the choir here, but to me it's honor where it's like, hey, like if you're going to take me out on a date, then I'm going to make sure that I'm engaged. Like I'm not, in my, I'm not on my phone. I'm going to be listening to the things that you're sharing. I'm going to be like, if you're opening up your heart or if you want to talk about your job, like I'm going to be here. And if you're showing me a problem or you're inviting me into a problem or whatever, like I'm going to give you my two cents. You know, I'm going to tell you how, and of course not in a, you're doing it wrong. Like I should help you. Like, no, it's come alongside you and help you like figure something out. Right. And so I think as women, we become entitled to be like, no, he better pay for my, for my dinner and blah, 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 blah. And I'm not saying there's not a place for that, but there, there has to be that feminine role where it's like, you know, thank you for bringing me out. Like, how can I, how can I show you that I'm, I'm stewarding, stewarding your time correctly? That even honoring you among people, like, I love what you said about the way that your husband talks about you and all these things. It's like, well, how are you talking about that person? And I know that I mentioned this in one of our podcasts where it's like, dude, like the seeds that you sow will produce a harvest. And so you can't talk bad about your man one day and then talk good about him because people are going to, they're going to be confused, right? And they're going to lose respect even for your relationship, but they're not going to honor. Like um, one thing that I love about, um, so one of Denise's daughters is my goddaughter and what I I always pay attention to the way that people, and so is Jesse's daughter, she's my goddaughter. And so I always pay attention to the way that people treat them, right? I'm like, okay, and because I wanna be aware of their response to those people. And so they know who they can go to and they feel nurtured, they feel loved, they feel like they're gonna be entertained, they're gonna be accepted and loved. And so it's that same way, I think, with the person that you're dating. It's like, the more that you spend time or the more that you honor them, the more that they're gonna respond accordingly, right? Where now the man is not gonna be like, dude, like I'll take you out, I don't care, because you make me feel like a king when I'm with you, you know? So what do you ladies think about that? I know A-Rob actually gave my husband a very hard time. <laughs> One of the hardest times I've seen him give anybody, um, at least on a personal level, and um, A-Rob completely even said it on our wedding day, like I yeah, give you guys did. a hard time because I wanna make sure like it was it, you know? Yeah. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that I got to see that part of A-Rob. Like he literally scolded my husband because he's like, you need to get it together. <laughs> and I've never seen him talk to him any, to anybody like that. But it's because my husband at the very beginning, and he, I'm not bashing him. We talked about it this morning. Don't worry, we'll interview him. Yeah, because he heard um, A-Rob's interview and I was like, he's talking about you, your past you, you know? Um, but... He, uh, he's thankful, you know, A-Rob has spoken so much life into him and has helped him and pushed him to be the man who he is today. Yeah. And and not only A-Rob, but also Pastor Abraham from right, our church, right. um, Pastor Todd 
right? Yes. Um, all these men, even like Carlos, um, all the men in the church, like the they community. encourage the yes. community. Yeah. They've all helped him, you know, to be where he's at. But A-Rob really, really pushed him. And Pastor Abraham helped him helped him stay accountable to what he said he was going to do. Yes. And there was a lot of times I literally was like sitting down and A-Rob's like, that's a red flag. Yes. Yeah, like before, you know, red flag was a thing. Um, he's like, I don't know, you know, and then he's like, if, you know, if I were you, I'd keep an eye on this part on Andre <laughs> and, um, and I would, I would tell Andre about it and he, and he would honestly be held accountable to Pastor Abraham to improve on it. And so I'm thankful because Pastor, a I mean, A-Rob, he actually walks it out, not only with um, just talking the talk, but he also pushes the men to do it. Yeah. So he just doesn't push us women to accept that. Right. He pushes the men to do it. And I remember one time, um, and this is why um, it was like my standard at one point. He said it on Mother's Day. I think it was on a Mother's Day message. He's like, man, you should buy your woman a house before you pr propose or something. And um, I remember I told my husband that. And he's like, I wasn't there that day. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't I hear it. That, yeah. I didn't hear it. Um, but, you know, it, it came to pass. But yeah. why? Because of those words and those encourage and, and, and encouraging him, right? And believing in him. And A-Rob does that. Yes, And absolutely. I'm thankful for that because he helped, you know, produce the man I have today. Yeah, even after we wrapped up the interview, he's like, people aren't, and he didn't, didn't say it like in a lowly way. He was just like being straight up. He was like, dude, like, well, he didn't say dude. <laughs> That's my, my stuff. But he was like, you know, I think you should get... Uh, he's like, you should get Andre involved. You should interview Mike. And I'm just like, no, we're already doing that. He's like, okay, good. Like, they have so much to say. And I was like, even in that, like, we're, because obviously we want to honor the people that really started it all, right? And so then he was already, like, throwing others in, in the quote-unquote limelight. And I'm like, that is such a father's heart, right? Yes. And I know that all, all of our leaders are like that, where they're like, they get their foot in the door and they want to take everybody with them. And so... Um, yeah, it's, it's been very, it's rigorous, right? Yeah. It is very rigorous. And to the ladies that heard that where it's like, oh, she still dated him. He had, he had a red flag, whatever. Yeah. But that's not justifying whatever red flag you're seeing in your man's if he's not being held accountable. Yeah. That was the difference that Andre submitted himself to the leadership of the church. And he was like, Hey, like, I know I don't have it together, but I need you to help me. And, um, that in itself was a green flag. That was the perfect green flag when somebody is willing to work through their stuff. Shekinah, what do you have to say before we wrap up? Um, a lot, no. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it, um, No, I just, I want to say, like, I love everything you guys are saying because, again, from the perspective of someone who grew up in the church, specifically under my father's teaching and seeing that play out, growing up in the church, I've seen a lot of the, the behind the scenes. I've yeah. seen a lot of the, the toupees come off uh, when the pastor steps off the stage. I was, I, I grew up in, I, I spent the night at my friend's house who were other PKs, you know, and, and um, it was sad because actually at the time it was like the best place to go because mom and dad were never home. We could do whatever we wanted. Mm -hmm. um, but growing up, like you realize how sad that is. I remember other pastors, kids would literally come up to me and go, I wish my parents were your parents. Just, they just weren't ever around. That's so sad. You know? And so I just want to say to our listeners who have maybe experienced my dad's harshness, <laughs> um, there's a reason. And yeah. I'm going to tell yeah. you from the perspective of being his daughter and growing up in the church and seeing it in other families, I'm not your stereotypical pastor's kid. I didn't walk away from the church. I maintained my faith. I love church. I love my family. 
And that's all my siblings have that same testimony. Not saying we're perfect, not saying we didn't have our God slapped us upside the head moments. <laughs> Absolutely, we did. But I can tell you that um, me and all my siblings were all very close and we're all very rooted in Christ. And we love our parents. And the reason is, is because my dad upheld biblical standards in the, not only in church in front of people, but in our home as well. He taught us the Bible. He taught us the way that a man and a woman should live. He taught us spiritual roles. We literally, our Bible stories at night were, were I mean, our stories, our bedtime stories were Bible <laughs> stories and we loved them. Aww. And so I say that because it breaks my heart that there are so many people out there that haven't experienced that. Right. And so I'm not trying to, to say that to tell you that like, if you didn't grow up with biblical parents, like, that's it, you know, like it's over. It's not right. because my parents grew up in broken homes um, on different levels and they were able to turn that around. And I get to share the inheritance of my parents yes. testimony because they've put God first in everything that they did. And so my dad can seem pretty harsh. I remember watching him um, interview, not interview, but um, counsel Andre. And I remember the harsh things that were said to Andre and not just Andre, but like, all the men in our church, right? And the guys that withstand it, I'm gonna tell you, are the guys that are doing profound, amazing things and that are themselves amazing fathers breaking yes. into. I know that Mike has an incredible testimony. Can't he wait. came from a broken uh, home and is now raising um, godly children and they get to share in the inheritance that their father um, developed. Right. And so why is my dad as harsh as she is? Why does he talk about politics from the pulpit? Why is he harsh on men? Why does he have strong standards? Not because he's controlling, not because he's overly religious, because he has seen the fruit yes. of those standards being brought up through all of his children and where we're at today. Yes. He has seen the fruit of how it affects an entire community, our church. We're not just talking about our church because it's our church and we have to. Right. Guys, our church, we're doing incredible things. And we're, we know that there are other churches out there too that are doing incredible things. And if you're in a church where you're thinking, I, I can't find godly men, you should probably leave that church. Um, not, we're not, we're, I'm not telling you to leave your church. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Don't leave your church. But pray about it. Pray about it. Um, but no, it's just, it's. Or become the change in your church. Yes. I think that's better. Um, yes. Become the change. Or become the change. That's better. But again, pray about it. Because if, <laughs> if the Lord is calling you out, then, you know, there's some people that are set in their ways. But right. I get what you're saying. And I know the original question was, should a man pay? But really, uh, what, how it transformed into was it creates a standard. And yeah. growing up in a home where my dad displayed, he wasn't, like I said, he's not perfect. My parents weren't perfect. But they displayed biblical standards and the reason they're as passionate and maybe seem as harsh as they are and they quite frankly have offended not only people in the church mm -hmm. they've offended other pastors that they have worked with simply by saying look that's not in the bible yeah. in our household in our, you guys hear all the time my dad says challenge me oh yeah bring it up show me in the bible and we'll talk about it yeah and it's not confrontational it literally mm -hmm. is dialogue it really is dialogue it he, he encourages the members of our church to read this for yourself, read it for yourself, yeah. you know, and um, we were raised the same way in our household. It was encouraged to dialogue about the Bible. If I had a disagreement with my parents, my parents would be like, okay, we'll bring it up in the Bible and tell me where it says you can or can't do that. <laughs> and then we'll discuss it. That was favorite. invited in our household. And so when you grow up with that, you grow up with these biblical standards and these biblical values 
you begin to operate that way, you begin to live that way, and it, it doesn't eliminate the harsh things that I've gone through because, well, we're all in life, right? We all yeah. go through life. But because I have been raised by a father who lifted me up, who gave me words of affirmation every single day, who I remember one time I said, oh, man, I just feel stupid. He got mad at me and said, you are absolutely not stupid, mm. you know? And <laughs> growing up in a household where I was uplifted by biblical standards every single day, where I can, I was able to move out at 17, right? Not because I came from a broken home and had to, but because I had the confidence to. And I had my parents standing right there beside me going, go, go, go get it, girl. You know, and I've been successful since. I've been moved out paying my own bills since I was 17 years old. And I say you that sound with, like oh, a rap song. Girl. I know, right? <laughs> but I, you're dropping right? bars. My and my parents, can, I'm telling you, my parents you did not pay my bills. My bills. <laughs> but no, like they didn't. They yeah. were like, you, you can do this. Yeah. You've got this. And I was able to do that because of the biblical standards and the biblical values that were instilled in me from birth, really. Yes. And so when my dad is on stage and he is, he sounds harsh, it's really a plea. Men, please, women, please raise your children, live your life according to biblical standards so that when you have kids, you can raise them according to biblical standards because I've seen the fruit of that in my life. They didn't have to go through what I had to go through. I didn't have to go through the hardships my parents went through because I bear their testimony. Right. And so bringing it back, yeah. bringing yeah. it back, right? <laughs> Sorry. Can, we, can, can, can I answer? Yes, go for it. If I may. Um, I love when he said about... Um, you know, the men paying for the, the food and everything. <laughs> that, for, that for me, obviously, I said I had agreed with that from the beginning. But that really was what set a precedence for my husband. And I think I mentioned it. And it was like, okay, my husband from day one never allowed me to pay for anything. Like, this guy treated me like a queen. Till this day, this yes. man treats me like a queen. Mm-hmm. And not just me, but his daughters, right? Yeah. Um, you know, he makes sure his daughters have sushi and kombucha because he doesn't want to know if there's <laughs> the little boys. <laughs> and he takes them and out on dates. Yeah. He does, and he takes them on dates. But that really set a precedence, and I knew what to expect. And I that made me feel safe. That made me feel like I know that I'll never lack because my husband will always, or this man will always provide. Until this day, I mean, it's been eight, nine years. He still, he provides, you know? Um, but there is a track record. There is a track mm. record. And, and one of the things that I've learned, I've been reading this book, Trust by Henry Cloud. And he's talking about, you know, um, the different characteristics of trust. And one of those is a track record. And so a track record is established, right? And so when he established from the beginning that I'm going to pay for this meal, I'm going to pay, I'm going to provide, I'm going to protect, I'm going to give. It, it allowed me to feel safe. And to also give, open up myself and give to him, like, my heart. Does that make sense? Exactly. Yes. And so uh, I agree with him. I love that because it's, it's beyond, it's beyond, it, it helps establish trust between you and that person because of a track record. Yes. And there is also another thing um, that you guys touched on. And I, I want to just emphasize, you know, A-Rob can be harsh. I've dealt with his harshness <laughs> firsthand. Um most of you guys know the story. Oh, yeah, but for sure. But if it wasn't for that, I don't know if I'd be here today. Yeah. Right? If it wasn't for that type of love, I can I don't know if I'd be where I'm at today because yeah. I needed that type of tough love to get me to where I'm at. And in that, I produced this type of fruit. Yes. And I also love what you said, Shekinah, about your parents, um, where they're, they're not afraid to talk about biblical marriage. And that's one of the things that I loved and I love and love about Pastor Linda is that 
you know, when I'm like, well, this, this couple does it this way and, and, <laughs> and when it's not God's way. She's like, I don't care if that works for them. Cool. But at the end of the day, what does God say? Yeah. Right. And from that moment on, I'm like, and I've seen her, like I've seen her, um, when we're around other people and, you know, even like other ministers. And if they say something that's not biblical, like she has no problem. Being no like, problem. Okay. Yeah. And obviously in the right context, right? Like yeah. she doesn't make a spectacle. She'll go to that pastor or that person and be like, Hey, like, I said this because the Bible says this, like she is not afraid. They're not afraid to do what God says or what the Bible says. And from that, that track record, once again, there's this trust of we're like, okay, even if he is harsh, right. Or even if he's saying these crazy things that sound crazy, I trust him enough to know that it's true. Yeah, that's good. And so I think, Kind of, <laughs> Denise is gone. She's like, we're done. We lost. I dropped the heat, so we're done. Drop the mic. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, just to kind of bring it back home, I think, um, just as far as like the the pain for the thing, it's like I think for the men, as a woman, what I would like to say is like, just pay attention to the, is she a good investment, right? Like, mm-hmm. is she stewarding your time? Is she stewarding your heart? Is she stewarding your your affection or whatever the case may be appropriately? And for the woman, uh, you know, because I remember just having, I, I remember a specific scene of my life where I'm sitting with um, with a whole bunch of girls and they're like, girl, he better be paying for your blah, 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 blah. And I was like, you know, in that moment, it was a little hard to hear. Um, and again, like the people, you got to be, you got to be careful with who you allow to give you advice, <laughs> first of all, yeah. um, because when I heard that con- in the context of who it was, um, it was clearly out in the world, like you're going to hear that all the time, right? And so then these girls, like what they were doing in return was, I mean, for lack of a better term, like they were not being honorable, right? Uh, I guess that is a better term. Um, they were not being honorable in these things. And so to me now on this side of the coin where it's just like, well, you know what, like maybe I do deserve that. And but then it also made me be introspective and just be like, okay, like what's the appropriate response to that? And so I think for both parties, understanding and knowing what you expect out of both uh, out of each other, it just sets those clear guidelines or those clear boundaries where you're able to see is there honor here from the very beginning? Because if there isn't, then you're already starting off on the wrong foot. And so I think that's going to be my biggest thing from the very beginning. It's like honor, 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 honor. Honor before the Lord, honor to one another. Because even, let's say, if that person doesn't end up being the person that you want, like, or things end up work, don't end up working out, at the end of the day, like, you want to make sure that your um, conscience is clear, right? And so um, I kind of just want to end it there. Any final words? We're at one one hour and 15 minutes, so we got we to gotta <laughs> shut this down. Any final words? Any final thoughts? We got to do a part two. There's so much to be There's said. There's so, so much. much. To cover. There's so much. But we're definitely going to. Yeah. I think uh, the next interview, I think, will for sure help us um, dive into a little bit oh, more. Yeah, for sure. So once again, oh, and we I actually wanted to break some news, which is some good news. Um, for those that have signed up or are considering signing up for In the Vine Dating, we have decided to be a, when you sign up, you have to sign a agreement um, to allow your pictures to be taken and all that good stuff. And because of one of our attendees, they were like, you know what, like, I don't feel comfortable. And little did she know that it was actually something that was in my heart already where it's like, you know what, like, we really want to honor people. We want to allow them to feel comfortable in this setting without the fear of, is my my picture being taken? 
am I going to be on social media? Are people going to know that I came to this? Because we know that um, it can be a little bit, um, it could, it's just vulnerable putting yeah. yourself in that situation. So um, we're not going to be taking pictures of you guys. We're not going to be advertising them. If anything, we're just going to let the Lord be the Lord and let this spread like wildfire in that way because we just want to let you guys know. Yeah, obviously we want you guys to find a match and all these things, but first and foremost to us is the dignity of each person, the respect of each person. We literally, our hearts are geared towards hosting you and making you feel something like, a type of honor that never in your life have you felt before. And so if that's been the thing that's been holding you back, please sign up. We're literally selling out quickly. I don't know that we're going to be able to wait till the 15th to um, close out the tickets yeah. or to continue allowing tickets. So definitely buy your tickets quickly. I anticipate an announcement going out this week for that. So, um, yeah. Yeah, and just to build on that, for those of you that were looking forward to seeing pictures to see what, what, what we were doing and going on, um, no. <laughs> that's exactly why <laughs> yeah exactly exactly why we're just we want to respect everyone's privacy yeah. we want everyone to have a good time feel comfortable and free and yeah um we're also asking anyone who's um, participating not to take any photos or pictures as well because yes. again we just want it to be comfortable and free and we want to respect everyone that's there and the fact that this is this is a vulnerable time and yeah and we can't let other people know our secrets what exactly <laughs> <laughs> all right um anything else ladies all right. We love you guys. As always, <laughs> pray for your single friends. Yes. It's hard out here. <laughs> See you guys at the next one. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening. If you liked this episode or we answered any of your questions, or you have a question that you would like to be discussed in future episodes, let us know in the comments or share on social media. You may also email us at inthevine.dating at gmail.com. And don't forget to visit our website for more information about our upcoming events on inthevinedating.com. And be sure to hit subscribe so you won't miss out on the amazing content and guests we have lined up for you. Shalom and God bless.